Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. So first, Elon Musk was going to join Twitter's board after it was revealed that he's now the social media giant's largest individual shareholder. Now he's not going to be on the board, which is raising questions and stoking fears about how Musk, the multi-billionaire SpaceX and Tesla founder, who has actually had a beef with Twitter for some time, could affect the communication platform that some 200 million people use every day. So joining me for some insight is Sarah Fryer, a tech reporter for Bloomberg and author of No Filter, The Inside Story of Instagram. Sarah Fryer, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Also, Reed Albergati is with us, tech reporter for The Washington Post. Reed, thanks so much for being on as well. It's great to be here. So, Reed, first, can you just remind us of some of the tensions that existed between Musk and Twitter before Elon Musk amassed a 9% stake in Twitter that might give us some insight into why he wanted to become the biggest shareholder in the first place. Yeah, Elon Musk has called himself a free speech absolutist. And he has long been a critic of the sort of content moderation policies that Twitter has that filter out some of the, you know, hateful content, uh, disinformation, that kind of thing. Um, He thinks, you know, there should be little, uh, we don't exactly know the details, but little or no uh, protections uh, from that type of content on Twitter. And he's made that very clear for for quite some time. And why has he, I mean, has he personally felt like he's been moderated at a level that he does not like? Well, yeah, I mean, him, but also other people. Um, You know, he's also... (laughs) been moderated by the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, which has accused him of using Twitter to manipulate the market. Uh, so he has, he's long had this sort of rocky and complicated relationship with, with Twitter. Um, and, you know, we can only speculate, but that seems to be sort of the driving force behind his uh, attempt here to, uh, to influence it through the acquisition of shares. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Fryer, what do you think Musk is after in acquiring the stake? What is your speculation? Well, I think that that's certainly part of it. The idea that there is some content moderation on Twitter, but but really Twitter, it's not so much about the moderation. It is, it is about the the response to whatever he tweets. Um, like Reed was mentioning, the SEC response, um, investor response, um, you know, people calling him out when when they feel that he's wrong. Um, sometimes people th- feel like they're being censored or moderated when really they're just being being critiqued by the public, um, which is part of the free speech ethos that he says he's supporting. So I, I really think when it comes to Elon Musk, it's unclear whether he was doing this because he wanted to exert true influence over Twitter or because he was wanting to, to just have fun with it. It's a platform that he that he really cares about, that he uses. Tesla, for instance, does not really spend money on 
advertising, they're a word of mouth company. And a lot of that word of mouth comes around the cult of Elon Musk. The fact that he has this outsized influence on this platform where he is one of the most followed people, more than 80 million followers on Twitter. So whatever he says, he feels an impact from it beyond what any of us would feel on Twitter. And, And it just you know, he sort of has the world at his fingertips. And why not own a slice of that? So if he's potentially, I mean, you say having fun with it, um, or toying with it, what kind of reaction is that, though, having among Twitter employees, Sarah Fryer? (laughs) They are quite stressed about this. I mean, there's just been so much whiplash. They're their chief executive officer, Parag Agarwal, who's who's really a, a new person in the role after Jack Dorsey left. Jack Dorsey's a Elon Musk friend. Um, tried to present the relationship with Elon Musk as a friendly one last week. He said, "Listen, um, we want to hear his ideas. We've been talking with him. We think he would be a great board member. He's agreed to be a board member." All of these Twitter board members tweeted saying, "Congratulations, to Elon Musk, for joining the board." And it seemed like everything was going to be friendly when on Saturday, Elon Musk said, no, I'm actually not going to. And then on Sunday, everyone in Twitter's employee base heard that news. That was that was a major question mark for the future of his intentions in the company, because suddenly he now has the ability to continue to build his stake and he doesn't have any fiduciary duty. Uh, any be- he is not beholden to Twitter shareholders or employees to, to only you know tweet or do things that would be in Twitter's best interest. Now, most people, when they take an activist stake, they have a, a pretty clear path. They, Twitter just went through an activist brush up with Elliott management. And, and the whole point there was, you know, increase your profitability, increase your growth, um, maybe become a little bit more efficient, fix the product. Um, you know, maybe your CEO should pay a little bit more attention to the company. Like those are some some sort of basic things that you hear from activist investors. Elon Musk, uh, you know, his goals with Twitter are more nebulous, more subjective. Um, He's not your typical advocate um, for, for financial progress as much as he is, he is looking for change in the feel of Twitter or the product of Twitter. And we just don't know what that's going to look like. Well, let me ask listeners if they're worried about Elon Musk's stake in Twitter and whether or not, if they're a Twitter user, it'll affect the way that they use the platform. 866-733-6786 is the number to call if you want to weigh in. 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram at KQED Forum. And you can email us, forum at kqed.org. We're talking with Sarah Fryer, a tech reporter for Bloomberg, and Reed Albergati, a tech reporter for The Washington Post. And Reed, talk a little bit more about that in terms of what he is able to do because he is no longer on the board or going to take that board seat that was offered to him um, by Twitter. He no longer has to pledge to buy no more than 15% of Twitter's stock. And there are real questions about whether or not he's trying to take over the company. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. He's now got, as far as we know, 9.1% of the company. And that's a significant stake. It's not quite enough, though, to, to really sort of, you know, Oust uh, board members, um, oust the CEO, that sort of thing. I and mean, he'll have to, he'll have to probably amass a bigger position. And with 
that bigger position, there will come more disclosure requirements, which, you know, is a whole other story about whether or not he's, he's going to follow those requirements or make those timely um, disclosures. But um, he, you know, could also combine his shares with other big shareholders who, you know, Sarah mentioned um, Elliott Management um, and, you know, activist investors. So there may be, there may be combined interests uh, that he has with other people. And I think that's sort of um, a danger now for, for Twitter. As Sarah pointed out, I mean, as a board member, he's kind of in a bear hug, right? And, and that came with some, uh, you know, fiduciary duties, but also other requirements. We don't know behind the scenes if there were other things asked of Musk, uh, Musk as a board member. Uh, but now he's kind of out there in the wilderness lurking. And I don't think anyone, probably not even Elon Musk, really knows what he's going to do uh, with, with, with these shares. Um, and Sarah pointed this out. I mean, his tweets on Saturday were sort of ridiculous. He's deleted many of them, but they seem like he's treating it like a joke, which very may well be the whole point of this from the beginning. And you touched on this, but Musk is being sued by a shareholder for his delay in disclosing his Twitter stake read. Can you just say a little bit more about why that was problematic? Yeah, that's right. So when when he um, disclosed that he had this 9.1% stake in Twitter, that was on April 4th, and the stock jumped immediately and significantly. There was no question um, that this 30% stock jump, give or take, was because of that disclosure. Uh, so it's very stark. Um, so he was supposed to, according to the, the SEC rules, he was supposed to disclose that position on March 24th. So what this lawsuit says is, hey, if you sold any of your Twitter stock between March 24th and April 4th, you should have gotten more for your shares. And this lawsuit says Elon Musk should be responsible for making you whole. And it accuses him of you know, committing securities fraud uh, with, with um, basically malice, scienter <laughs> is what it's called, um, for, you know, because he did not disclose this in a timely manner. So, I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, Elon Musk is sort of becoming a, a walking, you know, securities law case study. Um, before this, he, you know, was using Twitter, as I said before, to, you know, potentially manipulate the market. Um, it's just, it, it, it's, it's fascinating. Well, let me go to caller Ken in Simi Valley. Hi, Ken. Hi, how are you? I'm well. What's on your mind? So I agree with the, the guy who's on the radio now. Um, I believe that, that, Elon Musk has completely realized that he's he's able to manipulate his own market using these bots and 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 these comments. It's basically he's, I think he wants to acquire Twitter to put out fake news. I mean, there was a a point where he couldn't even sell Tesla to to Toyota, and then all of a sudden his followers rally behind him based on the fact that you know it's this great company. Um, how do we know that that's factual? And, and, you know, even if you look at, like, GameStop, it's a worthless company, but all the users follow behind it and pump up the stock. I think he's clearly realized that controlling the media is clearly uh, impacts his wealth. Um, Ken, thanks. Sarah, I want to get your reaction to what Ken is saying just in terms of he – this is really just about his bottom line – and being able to use Twitter to make his fortune bigger, essentially. 
Well, I think that he makes a great point, which is that every time Elon Musk uh, tweets something, there has to be a reaction just because of the size of his power, the fact that he's the wealthiest man in the world, the largest individual shareholder of Twitter. So when he disclosed his stake, um, you know, what what's going to happen, everyone asks. Well, the main thing that was going to happen is now there's just going to be all of this volatility in Twitter, which is, um, you know, if you if you're a, a scholar of the markets, volatility is how people make money. Right. Um as the shares move, people who are shorting them or buying them, you know, can see their their fortunes rise and fall. And um, Elon Musk is now a conduit to that volatility, and he he is just going to be able to cause these wild swings in Twitter. That said, you know, Twitter is a company that has had wild swings before because of outside interests. Um, it's a company that that unlike Facebook, unlike Snapchat, unlike Google, there's not a a founder with the majority voting control. So it's a particularly vulnerable company to a shareholder's whims or the Mm. public's whims um, or an activist investor or a a board, um, you know, suggestion. Twitter has um, has a lot more just potential chaos wrapped into its structure than other companies um, because that founder structure isn't in place. Yes. We're talking about the multi-billionaire Elon Musk, who's now Twitter's largest individual shareholder. And we're talking about what that means for the social media platform. And you're listening to Forum. I'm Mee Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way, from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. And I think, Sarah, what you're describing here, too, with the fact that Twitter is more vulnerable, is that that's really problematic when you think of what Twitter is. I mentioned in the introduction that it has more than 200 million users a day. There are people who use this as a regular communication channel. And a lot of, I mean, we've had conversations on forum before about a lot of these major tech companies that are providing services that are more like utilities. So if that's the case, you know, we have to cover people like Musk who are coming in <laughs> and buying stakes in something that hundreds of millions of people use to communicate. Can you just talk a little bit about how that is bringing all of this to the fore, Sarah? Well, I actually think that that there's a big debate right now about governance of companies and whether the model that that um you know, those other companies I mentioned, such as Facebook, um, are actually a, a good, stable thing for the future of the company. I mean, we look at the chaos of Twitter, but 
say you were upset with the future direction of Facebook and you wanted to buy 10% of the company to start to see if you could sway some people, there's nothing you can do. Mark Zuckerberg is the majority shareholder of these special voting shares. And even if you put up a shareholder proposal or set something for a vote, nothing's going to happen unless Mark Zuckerberg wants it to. And that's, that's actually not very good for accountability. And then here we are um, with Twitter and, and we have, um, you know, this company that is, is really more in the hands of shareholders and the public. And then you look at what somebody like Elon Musk can do just by throwing his wealth around. Um, and that's just a different kind of, of accountability in, in that you, know, he's, He's just a, a user and also an investor who could have this outsized influence. So I don't really know what the ideal model is for these companies because they are not um, public forums. Um, they're, they're companies that are our owned um, companies, right? They're, they, we keep talking about Twitter and free speech. Twitter isn't beholden to the First Amendment. There, there's no... Um, if Twitter is is moderating someone's content, they're not in violation of the First Amendment. They're a global platform. They're um, they work differently than a government entity, and so I think that there's um, just a lot of debate about how these companies can be held accountable. Sure. And do you think Elon's interest in free speech is genuine, or is it more free reach? <laughs> there is a huge difference, right, between being able to speak on a platform and being able to be amplified on the platform. I think a lot of people talk about censorship on Twitter when they really mean my tweet didn't get as much attention as I expected it to. And you hear a lot of people talk about shadow banning, where they think that Twitter's algorithm is is hiding their their voice because Twitter doesn't agree with it or something. And that's just not how it works. Um, there is there is algorithmic de-amplification if if you have um, something that you're saying that is that is particularly hateful or um, you know a violent. Um, you, we've seen Twitter try to to calm down accounts that are um, particularly you know provoking of of um, violence or hate or harassment. Um, but it's not really going to be about political mm. ideas. Well, Mary Lee writes, I must admit I'm a bit embarrassed to be a Tesla owner, but I still believe Musk's original intent to drive the move to EVs is admirable. However, his use and abuse of Twitter is dangerous. And let's face it, the first person he'll lobby or demand to be put back on Twitter is Donald J. Trump. That is scary. Reed, do you think that 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 will happen? Even Robert Reich, I think, wrote an essay yesterday that Musk could use his clout to reverse Twitter's ban on Trump. Yeah, that is a fear that a lot of people had. Um, at least a lot of people who are not Trump supporters had. Um, we don't know. I mean, he hasn't said anything about that um, or given any indication other than the fact that he calls himself, again, a free speech absolutist. And I think that would include, uh, you know, the speech of, of Donald Trump. So, you know, if we are to take him at his word, which is a big if, right, because he's all over the place and it's hard to tell what, what to uh, sort of a quote unquote troll and what is an actual point. But, um, you know, but if he is a free speech absolutist, you have to assume that, you know, people like Donald Trump would be allowed back on the platform and and would be, you know, allowed to say whatever they want. Sarah may have a different point of view on that. Uh, I'd be interested to hear what she has to say. Really quick, Sarah, we've got just 20 seconds, but Donald J. Trump coming back. 
Well, there's a lot of question about about um, what will happen under Prague Agrawal because he's a new leader of Twitter. He he's trying to do right by the company and may have a different idea than Jack Dorsey, who was the one in charge when Trump was banned. Yeah, so a lot to monitor, and I know you two are doing it. Sarah Fryer of Bloomberg, Reid Albergati of the Washington Post. Thank you. Also, my thanks to Susie Britton, who produced today's segments, and my thanks to listeners, as always. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hi, I'm Tyler Foggett. Join me and my colleagues as we go beyond the headlines and deepen your understanding of the forces shaping our world today on The Political Scene, a newly updated podcast from The New Yorker. With episodes three times each week, The Political Scene accesses the sharpest minds in politics for insight and analysis about everything from abortion rights to the war in Ukraine. Make sure you're following The Political Scene, available now wherever you get your podcasts.